Welcome back to Lit Up With Flow and happy early Valentine's Day. I know Valentine's Day looks a little different this year, so I hope you're still enjoying your day with your Valentine or Galentine or yourself because you gotta love yourself too, right? One way I've been loving myself lately is by investing in my yoga school certification. So I'm excited. I just started last week and in a few months I'll be able to be a yoga teacher. It's 200 hours. Um, I'm learning meditation, breath work, so many things that go along with being a yoga teacher. So I'm really excited to dive deep into that and continue sharing it. I actually used to be a dance teacher and it brought me so much joy. So I'm really looking forward to bringing that back into my life. So whatever you're doing on Sunday, make sure you're loving on yourself too. Um, Schedule a yoga class or a massage or make a super frothy latte and just read for hours. Whatever you want to do and that you love to do, do it and spend time with your loved ones as well. Speaking of frothy lattes, I want to start bringing in products that I'm obsessed with and that just make my life better into the show. So the Metabolism Super Powder by Saqqara, it is worth the hype. I've been using it in my coffee for about two years now. And lately I've been on this kick where I make a peppermint mocha latte and I also add CBD, but I just froth in this metabolism super powder and it's so delicious and it keeps me full and cravings down and helps me with the bloat and just all of the stuff that you want out of your morning. You can make a chocolatey milk or a mocha latte. I personally prefer the peppermint mocha latte. That's my um, self-care of choice every morning. If you've never tried it, I highly recommend you order this for Valentine's Day. The code that I have for 20% off is P. I promise you'll love it and I will upload my peppermint mocha recipe to Instagram um, because side note, I used to be a barista, so I know what I'm talking about. Speaking of morning rituals, that is the perfect segue to get into today's guest, Emily Griffith. She is the queen of breakfast foods, in my opinion, because she is the inventor, founder, CEO of a buckwheat superfood company that is delicious and crunchy and needs to be on your yogurt. I love Emily's story because it's an amazing example of how an idea can strike at literally any moment. She moved abroad to Australia to work for a couple years just to take advantage of being 24 and really being able to be wherever she wanted. And one day she's enjoying an acai bowl on the beach in Sydney and is tasting something that isn't granola, but tastes as crunchy as granola, but without all the sugar, is gluten-free, is keeping her satiated, is not making her feel all crummy like granola can and realizes that this needs to be brought to the United States. She hustled so hard to the extent that she actually launched a business for the sole purpose of bootstrapping Lil Bucks. So she was actually work running two companies at the same time. It's so inspiring. We learn all about her entrepreneurial journey and how she was featured in Forbes, Bon Appetit, the New York freaking times. Emily's my age, so it's just, it's so inspiring to see someone really fulfilling their goals and their dreams and just making it happen. Also, her product is delicious. Like it's so good. And she even has these cluster bucks now, which are these adaptogen filled little clusters of the buckwheat that um, can be served as a snack. 
We also get into being engaged during COVID and what wedding planning is like. We also get into our journey as a traveling digital nomad, which I think is pretty popular right now because we're all so remote. Before she came back to Chicago and launched Little Bucks, she was spending her time traveling in Bali and Australia and Mexico and a bunch of other places and just working remotely on her business. At this point, we also talk about her long distance relationship and how she made it work as a digital nomad because the day before she left for Australia, she met her now fiance. We talk about burnout and how her day is structured so differently than it was when she first was in this business and was working about 80 hours a week. Now she's actually spending time for herself in the morning because as she says, she's a human being. She's waking up as a human being. She's taking weekends off um, and I really just appreciate her work-life balance. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode and really excited to hear what you think of Little Bucks. They are so delicious. Um, thanks so much for the love on last week's episode. Everyone was loving hearing from Tina and I hope you're enjoying your probiotics so far. Just Thrive is the way to go. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend for all things gut health and make sure you order a Just Thrive probiotic with my discount code, Lit Up With Low, for 15% off. Thank you so much for all the support. This is our 10th episode officially. I can't believe that. It's gone by so fast. If you're loving the show, please leave a review. That is how the show will grow. And if you like this episode, please share it on Instagram. Share it with your friends and family. It means so much to me that I'm reaching so many of you. We hit over a thousand downloads last week, which is pretty darn cool for a new podcast. I know you'll want to order Lil Bucks as soon as this episode is over. So head to lovelilbucks.com and use the code LITUP for 15% off your order. And with that, here's Emily. Briefly lived in Australia for a little bit in Sydney. And... I mean, it was a wonderful time living there. The whole lifestyle is unreal. Uh, The food scene's amazing. Like, I think since they have a smaller population, ideas like a local food movement or farm to table or sustainable sourcing and diverse ingredients are just more widely understood and accepted. Like health food isn't just for elite health hippies. It's really something everyone gets, you know, whether or not they're healthy all the time is their thing. But I just really love the overall culture and approach to food. And while I was there, I lived my best life. I had a life-changing acai bowl. (laughs) (laughs) They used sprouted buckwheat as a grain-free granola replacement on the bowl. So there were just these crunchy buckwheat seeds instead of a sugary granola. And I thought that was absolutely genius. I mean, I loved the texture. I'm a big crunch person. Um, but then just felt amazing after eating this smoothie bowl. And I think with because of the buckwheat, because it uh, is a source of plant-based protein, six grams of serving, tons of fiber, it's gluten-free, grain-free. I mean, when you're just eating sprouted buckwheat on its own, there's no sugar. So I just, I mean, it's just like the perfect food in my mm-hmm. mind. Uh, so I started buying, I found, uh, they sold it at the grocery stores it ha- and you had to get it sprouted. So they already had it like that in Australia. And I was just using it every day, mostly topping smoothies, of course, but I'd bring overnight oats to work with like a layer of buckwheat on top and put on my salads, my avocado toast, uh, yogurt, of course. And then that just kind of, once it started becoming expensive for me, I was like, can I make this on my own? And it's definitely a process of sprouting and dehydrating and if you're not a dehydrator you have to like do a weird thing with your oven so eventually I'm like wait a minute what if 
um, you know, we could do this at a bigger scale and, you know, provide it to other people. Cause in the U S it's just not really popular yet. So I was like, well, I'll just bring it to America. How hard could that be? <laughs> not hard at all. <laughs> I have a design and, um, web marketing background. So I was like, Oh, I'll just whip up a cool brand and make a website and start sharing stuff on social media and, you know, boom, that'll be it. Um, and there's, you know, obviously a lot more that goes into having a packaged product and a food brand and making it. So I had a lot to learn on the logistics and operations side, but we're here today, two years later and growing. So that's great. Wow. I can't believe it's only been two years. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's been three since I like started actually more than three since I started really like being like, okay, I want to move back to the U S and, um, you know, work on this idea. And I got involved with a local, uh, in Chicago, a local incubator called the hatchery, which is a nonprofit that helps food brands there. So I had no, you know, I came from the marketing ad agency world. So I didn't have a lot of connections in the industry. Um, and everyone in the industry is just so, so helpful and sharing resources because it is, it is really challenging to get food brands off the ground. So I think people are really, you know, gracious and in the community lifting each other up. But I was like, I need to get in the community. I don't know anyone. Um, so fortunately through the hatchery, they had networking events and I would meet, like I met the RX bar founders, oh, wow. Mills founders, um, tons of brands that way and learned from them. But yeah, I literally just started making it in a shared kitchen in Chicago with the shared commercial space um, while I was still consulting full-time to bootstrap the business. So it's kind of really insane at the start. Um, but yeah, we made it past that level. Now I do Will Bucks full-time, which is really great. Wow. So just to backtrack a little, when you were like, okay, I'm going to bring this to America. I'm going to start selling this. How did you know, like how to create buckwheat? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so like what's beautiful about our first product line, the Lil Buck Sprouted Buckwheat Crunch, which is literally just, it's, we sell it in granola section at Whole Foods um, right now, just in the Midwest, but hopefully more areas of the country soon. But literally it's just um, the sprouted buckwheat seeds. And then we have flavors. So there's like cinnamon, cacao and matcha vanilla. Um, but all of those flavors, the max amount of ingredients we use, including the buckwheat, is five ingredients. So it's really minimally processed, which kind of goes back to our whole ethos of eating whole, real food. You can have something that tastes really amazing with just really powerful, simple ingredients. So actually, in that regard, you know, I was just making this because that's kind of what I wanted. But it, that also makes it not that hard to make in terms mm -hmm. of at a smaller scale. Of course, I ran into more challenges is we're trying to make bigger batches and all of that is a lot harder than I thought it would be. But, um, in that respect, it wasn't, you know, when I was doing the test recipes, I literally came up with all the flavors. Just, I bought, um, an Excalibur nine tray dehydrator off Craigslist. Oh, wow. You can get like a home dehydrator. They're pretty bulky. And we lived in a tiny, tiny, like high rise, one bedroom in Chicago, my boyfriend and I, and I'm like, have a dehydrator on the floor in like the middle of the place testing all these buckwheat seed recipes and of course buckwheat seeds are like all over the floor uh, punching everywhere under 
Uh, yeah, beautiful beginnings. Uh, those are the test recipes, not official. <laughs> of course. But um, yeah, so I really just, you know, kept it was like a trial and error. I didn't really know, you know, any other way. So that's just, I was like, well, I'll just make it. Um, and we were able to create really beautiful flavors out of that. Um, and one thing too, that first year, we really only did like fitness festivals, farmers markets. So I'd get live feedback on, you know, to have people try it and experience the crunch. Cause that's really the big thing at the, once you, it's just unlike anything else. So I just mm-hmm. need people to try the crunch and, you know, kind of see their wheels turn like, Oh, this is kind of the same experience I did in Australia. Um, but I mean, we would get feedback, like our matcha flavor at the start. Like, I mean, matcha is already, you know, some people are obsessed with it and some people it's just way too earthy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did learn after, you know, you get enough in-person feedback of people just kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you that. it's not like something compared to the original or the cacao or the cinnamon people are obsessed with. Um, so we went back and I started playing more, added some vanilla to balance out the earthiness of the matcha. So there was, you know, obviously adjustments and then cinnamon was a limited time flavor. And then our customers just kept begging for it so much. And we're like, okay, and now it's your best selling flavor. Wow. Um, and then with the cluster bucks, which is our snack product line. So basically making a more clustered version out of the sprouted buckwheat, but adding more things in like coconut flakes and pumpkin seeds and adaptogens and just making it this ultimate functional snack. Uh, it just allowed us to reach more people because some people, you know, they just want to eat something out of a bag or take, take it on the go versus I want to make my yogurt bowl in the morning and add little bucks on top. So we wanted to offer something to the consumer that, you know, wants that on the go snack or just doesn't want to think as much about how to eat it. Right. Uh, And that one was a little more challenging to perfect the recipes just because the nature of a cluster, there's just, Mm -hmm. just, and we have, you know, nine plus ingredients in each flavor. um, Some of a lot more. So still simple whole food ingredients, but you know, I just complicated things a bit when I, (laughs) (laughs) um, did you always have like an interest in like food or were you cooking or baking before this? Yeah, I always have been interested. One thing that I've always loved is healthy swaps for unhealthy foods, Mm -hmm. uh, or healthy versions of unhealthy foods. So, you know, like healthy pancakes, like a superfood cookie, you know, making, yep. I, mean, I love smoothie bowls because to me, ice cream is my ultimate. I love ice cream, but <laughs> I feel like crap eating ice cream if you know, I eat like a big bowl of ice cream. So, you know, figuring out ways to make smoothies that taste like them. So I was always, even in high school, because I was an athlete and I noticed after, you know, eating, you know, a bunch of processed food before a soccer game and just being sluggish. I was literally in the fourth grade the first time I kind of made that connection that what I ate you know, affected my performance and my energy levels. So I've always eaten really intuitively. So that just kind of piqued the interest. Um, drove my mom nuts, would always be baking and trying <laughs> and not cleaning up. Um, so that's always been a thing. And then when I graduated college, I just kind of happened to fall into, um, well, I worked at ad agencies, but all my clients happened to be food brands. Oh. And then when I went to Australia, continued to be food brands. And when I moved back and I was consulting 
I was freelancing while I was getting little bucks off the ground. Again, food brand. So it's kind of like the universe also shifted me into working in food and mm-hmm. interests kind of combined. Like, you know, I was already interested in this and now I'm getting exposed to the industry. And then I had my idea. I wasn't out seeking a food business idea. It just kind of landed on me. And <laughs> here we are. Yeah, seriously. My gosh. And I mean, have you felt like, the praise in America was what you would ex- expect. I mean, you had that life-changing moment. You're like, this has to come in America, to America. And do you think people in America are like buying it? They're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a lot longer of a road, I think in the U S <laughs> such a big market. It's so saturated. We are so ingrained in our, you know, ways of thinking and especially starting in the Midwest where that's kind of a final frontier for, new you know especially natural food products Mm -hmm. people are really hesitant to try new things like of course the people that you know when we hit our target audience which is kind of a similar person to who i was when i was in australia that are making their smoothies or yogurt bowls in the morning and are interested in you know finding those ultimate delicious but also extremely nutritious foods it's a home run i mean like once they try the crunch it's like, how has this not been in my life? I you know, always have sprouted buckwheat in my pantry. And that's how I am. Uh, even when my friends is like, do you seriously eat this every day? And I'm like, she's like, be real. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I would do without it. But um, so of course there's that, but getting it to a wider audience, which ultimately we do on a, you know, I see this as a national food brand and something that can not only be in like, you know, the crazy millennial women health nut pantries but mm-hmm. you know this is a great option for moms kids love the the cacao little bucks they're kind of like cocoa puffs to them I think um and I'm all about getting kids not addicted to sugar when they're really young so oh, yeah but um there's just like a wider audience that this can reach and that'll just take a longer time because you know Americans we like what we like so yeah <laughs> got a penetrate and breakthrough and be like this is okay try this it's delicious and and once they do then you know then we you know we'll be friends forever <laughs> yeah it, exactly well especially I'm sure in San Diego you'll do very well yeah I'm excited so we're expanding distribution in March in California um awesome that'd be cool. well we obviously sell online and Amazon nationally and we get a lot of orders, of course, from Chicago, because that's where we're from. And then um, New York and California, you know, they just start flying in. I'm like, how do people even find out about this? Especially in the early days when, you know, we had, you know, no team or we hadn't done much marketing. I'd be getting these random orders from like obscure California towns. And I'm like, how do people find out about this? But um, so yeah, it'll be a good market, I think. Um, And, and kind of in our approach to building a national food brand selling in the Midwest and California are so different in terms of, you know, the demographic and the types of regions and their shopping habits. So I think if we can figure out how to make it work in both of these places, we'll be able to make it work in the rest of the country. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. And so you started in a farmer's market and then did you go to e-commerce? Yeah, I did. It's funny because as a marketing nerd, I, felt that I needed to have a perfect website before even going to my first farmer's market. So I was up till three in the morning the night before my first market where I was launching it, 
perfecting the website, which was completely unnecessary. Um, but you know, that's what I felt I needed to do. So actually right off, right off the bat, you know, I announced it at this market, met my first customers, um, at a Chicago fitness festival and, and it was great because they buy a bag and then I kind of had a, you know, a handful, like maybe 10 people buying from our website. And then mostly my friends and family from around the country were like supporting me. But so it just always be exciting at the start. You'd see a name I didn't know. And I'm like, interesting. Yeah. Um, now I still see them today. And it's funny, like, I still remember these, you know, names of people I've never met or like briefly met at a market. And I'm That's like, amazing. Day one. <laughs> That is so cool. Um, and then when did you decide that this needs to be on shelves in addition to e-commerce? I think just one, like the way, you know, e-commerce being part of my background, part of me is like, maybe I should just chill and crush e-commerce all day. But I think with the goal of what we have for this food brand and reaching a lot of Americans' uh, pantries is that we need to be where they are and while especially in the past year with the pandemic e-commerce has blown up and fortunately like we're in a good place for that because that is a bit like it was half our business last year um but still in terms of food like we still grocery shop people want to go to the grocery store and fill their cart and you know look at packaging and examine the nutrition which yes you can do online but i think people just are still shopping in person it's a way to discover food Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed to be on shelf. Um, and of course I was a shopper at Whole Foods. So I was like, in the beginning, I'm like, well, how do you get out of Whole Foods? Like this, Whole Foods needs to have this, like it's sprouted buckwheat. They need it. Um, and kind of weaseled my way into getting a meeting with the Midwest region a couple years ago. And that kind of, when they said yes, I was like, wow, okay, need to get going on this and scale up production and get some real packaging because it was just in brown bags with stickers and I was like okay now Whole Foods wants it uh we need to step it up (laughs) what wait so how did you get a meeting with Whole Foods because I that's I've heard that's like notoriously difficult (laughs) yeah I mean there's a lot of brands even at the time that were bigger than us and they were like wait how did you get a meeting with them (laughs) not in a mean way but they're just like what um I mean you just try everything like you know of course following up buying getting the buyers emails follow up follow up but then also you know coming at them from different ways I've tried crazy things like stalking all of the buyers like demographics and putting like a really targeted Facebook ad hoping they would see it and I also randomly got introduced to a friend of a friend is a Whole Foods beverage buyer and we were at a trade show in Los Angeles and um he agreed to meet with me for 10 minutes and he's a corporate like national beverage buyer so not he's not buying buckwheat um he's not concerned about the breakfast category but I think even that I think that made a difference because I think he might have spoken about us to the breakfast team which passed the corporate breakfast team passed that down to the midwest team and they're like hey look out for this little bucks. And one day I finally got a reply to one of my emails, like, Hey, come in for a meeting. And I'm like, Oh, cool. <laughs> That's amazing. And then it's like totally. I mean, I didn't even know what distributors they used, which is a hilarious thing in retrospect in the industry. Everyone knows what distributors Whole Foods uses and all the, you know, technical stuff. And I just went in with the story and, 
you know, just talked to them like people and was like, you know, this is remember why Whole Foods began and why it is what it is. They were discovering these better for you foods and saying things can be different. And like, here's one of those foods that you don't have. So, yeah, get on it. (laughs) Boom. Yeah, no, that's funny. You say that because right before we started recording, I was talking to my fiance, I'm engaged as well, and was telling him about your product. And I was like, this is something that's actually like, so obvious. Like I'm so, I'm shocked that like no one thought of it before, but it seems like Australia has just always been like way ahead of the game in just terms of health. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that's kind of my thing too. I just thought I was under a rock when I discovered it there. And I was like, oh, maybe it's because it just hadn't made its way to the Midwest or something. And I mean, it was game over. And then when I yeah, I was doing research on it in the US. I just, I couldn't believe it. So it was an immediate possession to bring this to the US. I was like, well, we have to make this happen because yeah. there's certainly, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that love crunch. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's amazing. And I mean, when you think back to like sitting, eating that acai bowl, could you ever imagine like you be in the New York Times, like you'd be in Bon Appetit or Forbes? Like, gosh. No, I can't. I like, I think people approach, you know, their brands in different ways. And mine was kind of like, well, let's just see what happens. And it really started as that innocent, like, oh, well, there's prop. there's certainly other people that would like this and I'm going to bring it to them. And then, you know, as it's going, I'm like, okay, more people are liking this. We can have an impact here. What does our brand stand for? You know, what, you know, establishing values for the brand. And yeah, I mean, I would have never, ever, ever thought when I remember FaceTiming some friends when I was still living in Australia and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this buckwheat thing. And they're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Emily's probably lost her mind down there, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I would have never imagined it. So that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, and how did you end up in Australia, like to begin with? Because that's, I mean, so fateful that you ended up there. Seriously, yeah. When I think back to kind of how that all unfolded, it's just really a perfect, you know, story. Even though at the time I didn't know like what you know that path was leading down, but yeah, I wanted to get overseas experience. I studied abroad in Australia when I was in college. So I was obsessed with it. I still had some friends there. Sydney had always been calling my name to come back. It's just Mm -hmm. an amazing lifestyle and um, love the Aussie sense of humor. I had really good ad agency contacts there. So after working in Chicago for a few years, I got an offer to work at an ad agency in Sydney and they sponsored my visa. And so I just it was like on a whim. I went to go meet with this agency when I was visiting my friends there and I came out of it and I was like, Oh, I guess I just got a job. In That's amazing. Uh, home and pack up and all that. But um, yeah, it was such a good, it was such a good kind of leap to take. You know, I had nothing to lose. I was 24 when I moved there. Um, and yes, yeah, still have great friendships from there. Obviously great inspiration great food ideas. Can't wait to go back. <laughs> Seriously, that's amazing. And then I read that you and you kind of mentioned this that you were bootstrapping little bucks with your own business. So can you go into like what that was? And why did you like take the leap to like have these two businesses going at the same time? 
again, it was very much a learn by doing situation. So had I like, I didn't plan to be working like 80 hours a week, two businesses at once because I would have, that doesn't sound very fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've always been freelancing on the side since I graduated college, just moving to Chicago and barely, you know, could pay my rent. So just anything I could do to get extra cash, um, you know, graphic design, web design, and just was teach. It was just fun to teach myself on the side and kind of have that side hustle thing. And then when I was in Australia and I had my buckwheat idea, I was thinking about leaving that agency I was working at. And I started picking up freelance clients. And that's actually when I met Australians are such great travelers. And I met a lot of people that were digital nomads. So now this, that this is so popular, like people that I would never imagine, quote unquote, digital nomading are working from like exotic places now because of the pandemic. Yeah, it's amazing. um, I feel like everyone's woken up to this great concept. But Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, so I met all these Australians and other international people that we're working these digital jobs and just, you know, charging full rates more than what you're making on an agency. Cause you're, you know, the agency's not taking their cut and then your salary, it's just directly going to you and you can, you know, work from wherever you want. So that was attractive, uh, oh, like- traveling and I already had some freelance clients. So I started building it up and, until it made sense to, uh, quit the Australian agency and, uh, went to Bali for a few weeks and started trying to get my business off the ground. And I was like, this will be perfect because I can just scale it down as little bucks scales up. But I didn't really know how much work would be involved before little bucks really substantially scaled up to where I could be doing it full time. So there was like a year and a half, almost two years, but really a year part, which was just completely insane freelance business built up and I couldn't say no to projects because I was like well this means more money for little bucks and so I just kept saying yes to literally everything um and then I was making the product myself because I didn't know that there was other ways to do this so it was just completely insane uh learned a lot and you know it worked I made it happen I think a lot of people will go through a stretch moment in their lives where they could get close to burnout or get burned out and then they learn how to approach work differently and work smarter, not harder. But yeah, that's just the way made it happen. And I think also as a woman, it's really, really hard to raise investor money. Mm-hmm. 2% of venture capital went to women in 2020. So, you know, the pickings are slim. I didn't know anything about raising money either when I started as well. So again just learned by doing so I was like I'll just start this with my own money and see what happens but um you know I just couldn't say no to more projects because it meant more money for little bucks that was just a great cycle um which now I've learned okay like if we can achieve these goals hopefully we can attract these investors and then take it to the next level um there's a lot of different ways of approaching the business but mm-hmm. That's the crazy route I took. <laughs> oh my God. And you're, you're traveling like while this is going on? I was for the first year. Once I started producing low bucks and um, I obviously I settled down in Chicago. And once like the 80 hour a week stuff started, I was in Chicago for that. Um, and one thing I think that's funny about um, Chicago is I'm very weather driven and I love outdoor activity. So I think when the weather's cold, 
which is a majority of the year, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'll just work. Yeah. And, and But then that just turned into I worked constantly because the weather was never nice. Um, oh so that wasn't a good way to approach life. But, um, you know, but yeah, before that kind of crazy year, when I was producing, by the time we were producing and Lil Bucks was live, I was, I worked from Bali, Australia, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Hawaii, Mexico. Uh, and it was really, really fun. Digital wow. is a really cool way. And you meet just really interesting people from all over. So that's so cool. Were you traveling alone? Yeah, I was. Um, Chris, my fiance, would sometimes, he met me, um, like, a couple times, like, we would do a vacation together for a week, and then I would stay and work and travel, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I was alone. Uh, Amazing. And there's some co-living spaces you could work from, and that was a cool way to meet people, so you'd have a Mm -hmm. community. Um, I learned that was smart. Like actually when I was in Costa Rica, I didn't do a space like that. And it actually, while Costa Rica was amazing and beautiful, I didn't have as good of a time there because I was by myself and Mm -hmm. like, you know, just working during the exploring by myself. I didn't do like a hostel or, so that was, Mm -hmm. I would say doing co-living in situations like that is the move. Yeah, no, that's good to know. God, this is such a cool experience. And you were, I didn't realize this, so you were dating your now fiance at the same time. You were, was this when you were in Australia too? Um, Yeah, that was a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> we met literally the day after I signed my contract <gasps> to move to Australia. Wow. And so I think that was about five months before I was, you know, supposed to start my job in Australia. And you know, on our first date, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I just signed this contract to move to Australia. And, you know, we're both like, whatever, this will be fun, you know, not thinking anything of it. And of course, it developed into a lot more than that. And so yeah, we did a year uh, keeping in touch and then official long distance relationship. And after a year, so I was supposed to be in Australia for three years. Um, but between the Lil Bucks idea, and I was ready to freelance and I was kind of done with the agency life pretty early on. And, you know, I was like, okay, we're still into each other after a year of being apart and literally opposite sides of the world. So I was like, okay, I'll come back. And, and actually that was part of the thing that drove the digital nomading is he still had to be in Chicago for work. And I was like, well, I refuse to ever do a Chicago winter again. Uh, and it's one degree there now. So oh my God. yeah, that's not fun. Um, and so I was like okay fine I'll come back and I'll do like six months in Chicago with you and then I'll do digital nomading in the winter and that's how you know we'll make this work and then now we're engaged so fortunately it worked out yeah took the right right person (laughs) yeah exactly do you have any tips for like a long distance love because Australia is on the other side of the world like the time difference is crazy I mean, yeah, looking back, like now that, I mean, we are so, you know, in sync and love living together and have so much fun together. So we can't imagine having to do something like that again. But I think it is one of those things. um, It was early on in the relationship and we went into it not knowing, um, you know, 
what we were getting into, I guess. So, you yeah. know, something we do, I, I don't know if we, we couldn't be the people that could do that forever, but some of the things that helped us were, uh, A, knowing the next time we could see each other. So always having those planned. So you have something mm-hmm. to look forward to. Cause the worst part for us was the last time we saw each other, he came to visit, I think four or five months before I quit, finally quit the job in Australia. But um, I ended up like having less vacation than we thought. And um, after he left from his visit in Australia, we were both crushed because we had no idea, like, you know, there was no end in sight. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I just ended up quitting the job because, the, you know, it was just like, otherwise, I'm not going to see him for a year. And oh that, was, that just yeah. wasn't possible. Um, so I think having those planned uh, honestly, we would FaceTime every day, but that never felt like a chore. Mm-hmm. It was actually really fun. I would write down though during the day because it is like literally while he's sleeping, my day is happening. So it would be night for me that, there and he would wake up at like 530 in the morning to talk to me, which is oh. amazing. Um, but I would write down during the day, like, you know, random things. So yeah, remember like, because instead of you, you know, you like text your right during the day like oh my gosh this was funny or yeah. immediately or experience things so actually remembering things because even with someone who you have a great connection with like when you're in that different of worlds you want to remember things you want to tell them and totally really well that way and then the last thing is we did a joint playlist which someone recommended to us they were long distance from like california to minnesota for a year and so they um they had a joint playlist and they would add songs to it that made each other like that they thought each other would like or made them think of each other and that like was huge like because I could go on a run and feel like Chris was with me through the music oh my god I think that was really cool that's really cute how did you guys meet it's such a sweet story <laughs> we literally met through hinge so not that cute Love. <laughs> but it was through a mutual friend who is his best friend from college and now she's one of my really good friends and she's gonna be uh in my bridal party so it was definitely like a good connection but it was literally just the apps that's amazing I mean love the apps I know I love them now I was with a couple of girlfriends last weekend and they were like on the apps and I was like oh I want to see like I haven't looked at them I right like what do they even look like these days yeah what are the kids up to <laughs> I know um have you guys been planning your wedding because of COVID um actually we just postponed it uh it wasn't like a tragic postpone like all the corona brides mm-hmm. um we got engaged actually the day before Chicago shut down for oh COVID, so it was really really crazy um just kind of a mind bender because like the world is ending and I just got engaged and I'm confused but uh yeah. we were supposed to do August of 2021 but we ended up, yeah, we actually just yesterday officially moved it to June of 2022. Um, we're gonna have a pretty big wedding and I just didn't really, it could be fine, August, but yeah. we didn't want to like, there's, we're not in a rush. Um, right. So we don't want to do that like crazy. Is it, what if this, then this? What if, I feel we, you. Are we gonna like waste money on that? Cause it's gonna have to move. So we just were like, no, let's just like move it. Yeah, no, I totally feel you. Are you guys planning it or? Um, we also are in the same thing where I, I'm almost afraid to start. <laughs> I don't want to have to cancel everything. 
really hard to like think about. And I mean, I already have my dress. Actually, they were just bugging me the other day. They're like, are you going to come pick this up? And I'm like, hold on to it because I'm scared I'm going to like ruin it. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to hold it for two years. But, um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It felt weird planning because it was like exciting, but it's not the same. Because I'm like, okay, we have a date, but like, I don't even know what's happening. I know. And you're doing all this work for it, but it might not be like happening yet. I know. I feel you. Are you getting married in Chicago? Uh, yeah, we're actually doing um, Southwest Michigan. So New Buffalo, hey, nice. uh, which is right by Chicago and close to where I grew up in South Bend, Indiana. So it's like right there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that'd be good by 2022. And, you know, it, I think it could be all right for 2021. I know. I'm, like, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, so are you, how have you been balancing? I mean, I guess now it's postponed, but how have you been balancing like planning a wedding on top of like running a company? Gosh, I mean, that was really hard. And I think one of the things Chris and I were happy about um, postponing was just like, we have more time to figure everything out because it is pretty overwhelming, Mm -hmm. especially to start like all of a sudden you know, you go from being engaged and that's great. And then like a week later, there's like all these things thrown at you and decisions to make and like a lot to think about. And of course I really care about it because I only plan on getting married once, (laughs) you know, it's your wedding. Right. Um, And you know, whether or not you care, like some people are chill and they're like, I don't care what it looks like. I just like want to show up and have it be nice. And like someone else plan it, but I'm like a designer and I do care. Um, I don't have time to do a lot of it, but I do care and want to do it. So this affords me more time, which is really great. Just kind of spread it out a bit more. Um, like now I can't imagine getting married in like less than seven, six months. That would be wild to me. Um, so I'm totally fine with the longer engagement. And then, yeah, I actually uh, started taking weekends actually off for work. Well, good for you. Yeah, because I was talking to a few other entrepreneurs who do this too, but because I feel like a lot don't. Um, but you like, I work better with true mental breaks. And I never for the first three years of working on the business and freelancing and all that, like, and working so much and working 12 hour days being normal. It's just like, I was working harder and not smarter because I literally couldn't think properly because I was working Mm -hmm. so much that like I was so burnt out and like overwhelmed um so I try to I don't work weekends which has been huge so that opens me up to like actually explore other interests and plan wedding you know I'll like take care of myself personally because for three two and a half years you know all that was out the window and then I do try to also stop working at six I've I've been a little naughty about that the past couple of weeks. So trying to reel that in, but, um, cause yeah, there was been a couple of late nights, which is fine. You know, every once in a while yeah. it's happened when things are going on, but, um, yeah, gotta I'm, take those mental breaks. <laughs> totally. I mean, I'm sure there's like always stuff to do. Um, so how, what is like working smarter look like for you? Um, I think one thing is, especially being a leader and if you, depending on how, I mean, if it's, you know, just your own brand and business or planning on building 
you know, a national food brand or whatever it is, there's still a level of what is the stuff that's absolutely essential for you to be doing versus is there someone else who's better equipped or better, you know, has the time to execute this. So passing off a lot of like administrative duties to a teammate, um, even now bringing on someone for marketing, even though it's my background. So it's very hard for me to go of, but like, we're at a point where it's just like at capacity, I'm not able to execute a lot of these great ideas I have. Um, (laughs) And it's just, you know, like you need to build a community of support around you, whether it's paying someone to help do some of the stuff. Cause there is a lot, like you think that only you can do everything and that's just not true. Um, And the more that you can out, whether outsource or delegate, I think the better, cause you free up your, mind to do that strategic creative thinking or whatever it is that you went out to start your business for which ultimately leads to better more success in your business um and also just prioritizing um you know what i I, i'll just write out literally everything i need to do and then look at what really lines up to my goals um for the business and whether it's a monthly or quarterly goal and you know what's absolutely essential that we get done like oh I've got to do all these you know send out an email for a new product uh or I need to you know work on our target audience like workshop or whatever Mm -hmm. do the email because that's going to lead to immediately lead to revenue and then do that the target audience thing because it's just about prioritizing, which is really hard. And I think that just comes with practice, but it's helped. Mm-hmm. But I think when I was so overwhelmed, I would just do all the busy work tasks and then not get the big stuff done. And then if yeah. I got the big stuff done, it would make the busy work stuff easier because like the big decisions would already be made. So yeah, it was a whole thing. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a morning routine? Um, I'm still actually figuring that out. I was thinking this morning. I need to start waking up at the same time because I woke up really early this morning and I feel tired. <laughs> Ready to get used to that. Um, but I don't, um, I don't start working for at least an hour in the morning. I used to wake up and like open my laptop and just get after it. But I think setting intentions for the day and just like treating myself like a human being first before just like someone who crushed his business and work or whatever it is has made a big difference. So I'll wake up, have a drink my like lemon. I do like the warm water, lemon, apple cider vinegar thing. And then I um, make a little oat milk latte, sit by the, we have a little fireplace, which is so amazing. So I sit by that and defrost because it's it's cold at our place in the mornings. Um, Read the, just read the news, like New York Times and then maybe like read a little bit of a book, whatever I'm reading. And I'll just kind of mess around like that for an hour, just chilling and waking up and then start working. Um, I'm thinking about starting to do since I'm in San Diego now, um, do morning walks without music and just kind of, cause there's, you know, listen to the birds chirp and all that. I mm-hmm. really, I, the outdoors does a lot for my energy. So uh, I think I'm going to start doing that too. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I love what you said. Just treat yourself like a human being, (laughs) like how human beings were supposed to wake up. 
Exactly. Like I used to even, I was like, I think I was smarter than I was right when I graduated college than those years when I was being an overworking psycho. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Cause I would, before going into work, I always worked out before work. Now I have a more flexible schedule, obviously. So I, I like to work out in the afternoons now, but um, I would go to the gym like religiously before work. Cause I always was like, well, I want to do something for myself before I go like work for the man or, you know, yeah. like, put forth someone else's goals. And even in Australia, I would start when I was so inspired on little bucks, I would you know, work on the branding and the idea and the target, my business plan. I wake up at five and work on it before going into my agency job. And I happily did it because I was so inspired. Um, so I think for me, just having what, you know, just doing something for myself before a business, because even if it is your business, you are not your business. So mm-hmm. that's been good for me. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it sets the tone for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know you have to run. So I just have one more question. Um, what is your gift? Ooh, (laughs) nice question. I would probably say let's see. I'm so grateful for many things, but I'd probably say creativity. Um, I think I have a weird way of approaching problems. And it seems to, and sometimes a little bit different way of thinking, but it's kind of led me to naturally do things that not everyone's always doing, whether it's in business or starting a new idea or marketing, um, which thinks just advantageous because it's a great way to connect with others when you are approaching problems or communication creatively. Um, And even just coming up with the flavors and this and that. So I think bringing in the design it's all a part of a little bit of that blessing and probably my parents raising me to feel free to think and follow those ideas so been able to develop a nice routine for my creativity which I'm grateful for yeah no absolutely well I will say like the packaging is so cool and it I mean when you see it you're not like oh buckwheat you're like whoa cool little bucks (laughs) Yeah, it's totally different than like we could do like something earthy and like food. And I was like, we're just gonna be like crazy. Right. I love that. Just bring something new to the table. Very Aussie of you. Yeah. Yeah. Good vibes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was so great to meet you. Yeah, this has been so fun. I'm so glad that we could do this. And thanks. You asked awesome questions and it's been fun to talk. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, have a great day and enjoy San Diego. I'm jealous. Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> Go listen to the birds chirp. And- yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Lit Up With Flow. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help me reach more people by sharing episodes on your Instagram, sharing them with friends and family, and rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. I love reading your reviews. They mean so much to me. I really hope you guys check out Lil Bucks. They are so delicious. I am currently eating them sprinkled on a yogurt parfait. Check them out at Love Lil Bucks on Instagram and www.lovelilbucks.com. I am obsessed with the cinnamon. I understand now why it's their best-selling flavor. Let me know what you think and make sure to use the code LITUP for 15% off your order. 
As always, thanks again for listening. I hope you have an amazing Valentine's Day, an amazing three-day weekend, and I will talk to you next Friday.